Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Pulse of Portland, a public affairs program of KKPZ with Paul Van Sickle. Thank you for listening to KKPZ 1330 The Truth. I'm Paul Van Sickle. This is the Pulse of Portland. And it is no secret that we're having issues in our transportation department. We're having some issues with the roads in Portland and trying to figure out how to fix it and how to pay for it all to be fixed. What's the best plan? Uh, We've talked about TriMet and some of the new train things that they're trying to do and how much money that's going to cost and you know there's just a lot going on and uh, we wanted to talk a little bit today about Portland's roads and uh, Steve Novak our commissioner of the city of Portland Bureau of Transportation had uh, put out a report as we were talking about the the street fund tax that was coming through and the fact that our roads are are not that good right now that 44 percent of our busy streets are in poor or very poor condition and on our residential streets 55 percent are in poor or very poor condition what he was projecting that over the next 10 years with just the current investment that we have um our busy streets would stay about the same but then the residential would go to 80 percent being poor or very poor add in the street fund money that they were proposing to get over the next 10 years and only 33% of our busy streets would be in poor or very poor condition or residential streets uh, you know 74% so a little bit better there so we have a problem and we can blame politicians and the city council for not spending the money properly over the last couple decades uh, the Oregonian said about 200 million dollars that was targeted for transportation projects ended up going other places but you know, really moving forward, that that doesn't matter because we can't get that money back. So even with the money that has been proposed and extra taxes, it still doesn't seem to be enough. So we need to think of something different, something innovative that is going to help us finance the roads that we need to have fixed new roads that we need to put in place, whatever it is. And that's what we have joining us today. Adrian Moore. He's a PhD, Vice President of Policy at the Reason Foundation, and an expert in this topic. He's co-authored the book Curb Rights, Foundation for Free Enterprise and Urban Transit, and also um, Mobility First, a new vision for transportation in a globally competitive 21st century. He's also authored dozens of policy studies and articles, and he's coming to Portland as the Cascade Policy Institute is hosting him on April the 29th, 7 to 8.30 p.m. at the Multnomah Athletic Club, and we'll talk more about that at the end of the interview. But, uh, Adrian, thanks so much for taking time to join us here on the Pulse of Portland and talk a little bit about our problems and maybe some solutions. All right, thanks. It's great to be on. Um, there's actually a lot going on uh, this, this coming weekend in Portland. Uh, the International Bridge Tunnel and Turnpike Association is having uh, its annual um, uh 
Transportation Finance Conference uh, there in Portland, and I'm, I'm participating in that. Oh, great! As well as the uh, um, the uh, Cascade Policy Institute event. So um, you know, there's going to be a bit of a hub of transportation uh, finance discussions going on, but. To, to bring it home to Portland and, and the state of Oregon, you know, the, the description you just gave of the problem that the city roads are having is unfortunately not that unique of a story. A lot of our urban areas have these kind of problems uh, for, you know, at, at a very broad level, a number of reasons. You mentioned, you know, there's, there's things that not, the money wasn't always managed right in the past. I think... Uh, you, you, know, you have to recognize that a lot of the, the money has been shifted to the public transit system. So uh, that that's allows you to grow the system. It's something that the, the community has aspired to. And, you know, without going too far down that road, the fact remains that you still have a road system that's carrying the overwhelming majority of the traffic but not getting an overwhelming majority of the funding. Mm. And, they, you know, that ultimately that kind of system is going to deteriorate. And that's common in the major metropolitan areas of the country. It's also a problem, I think, statewide. You're are, are comparing states to each other and their highway systems where um, uh, not everybody is sort of getting the most bang for the buck. So rather than look, looking back and trying to figure out what happened to the money that you can't get back, the productive thing about looking back is thinking, well, how can we not repeat those mistakes? <laughs> yes. How do we make our decisions about spending money going forward, you know, to put it kind of overly simply, more performance-based, more driven by results rather than sort of by politics or a flavor of the month or things like that? Uh, that's one of the innovations that's going on out there is people thinking about um, tying the decisions about spending money to actual measurable results. You don't have crazy things like you know, you've got states in this country that spend the the ten least efficient states spend maybe four or five as five times as much per mile as the least efficient uh, as the most efficient states. Mm. Um, so that kind of disparity disparity means there's big differences in how much bang for the buck they get. So. Looking at that is important. And then I think the other thing is just recognizing, look, between you know more transit, more walking, more riding, and more fuel efficiency, the average four-door sedan, leave aside you know your hybrid cars and all that stuff, your average SUV, your average four-door sedan is getting probably minimum 10 miles to the gallon, depending on you know what one you get, 10 to 15 miles per gallon, better mileage than it did just 10 years ago, which means all of us, if we're driving the same commute to work in a new car, are paying maybe 30 or 40% less in fuel taxes than we were with our old car, mm. but we're driving the same number of miles. The road, it still costs the same amount, uh, but we're paying much less in gas tax, and that's driving a lot of these problems, the the gas tax system is just becoming a less and less efficient way to pay for transportation because we're using the system more, but we're paying less. 
and, and you know, couple that with with the push for the public transportation with less people driving. I know as as our two car family is now a one car family because um, my wife my wife does take TriMet every day uh, to downtown from where we live. You know, on the outskirts of town. So, so we're not right. spending. We're spending half as much money on gas too because of that push. <laughs> so, so right. again, the exactly. funding, and that's not making any money for anybody either. So, it, you know, it is uh, good for consumer, but how do we keep that up? Right. Well, one of the one of the areas there's there's a lot of kind of moving pieces out there, and and I'll touch on a couple of them. One is in a lot of states. Um, people are looking at it, and in a lot of cities, people are looking at, um, for new roads or new bridges, or if a road or a bridge has to be completely rebuilt. Because, you know, like most things, there's a kind of a, a built-in lifespan to a road. It, you build a road, it lasts, depending on how you build it, between 25 and 50 years. And when that time is up, you pretty much have to tear it up and kind of rebuild it. You use the same space, but it's a total rebuild. Uh, the gas tax money we pay just pays for regular maintenance. It doesn't pay for that rebuild. It doesn't pay for building new stuff. And so how do you pay for that? Well, a lot of places are using tolls. So they're saying, well, if we're going to build a new bridge, but this bridge is going to have to have a toll on it to pay for it. Or we're going to put in a new uh, a freeway between two cities or, or whatever it may be uh, using tolling. Or we have to rebuild entirely this stretch of freeway. We're going to put in a toll on it. Or we're going to toll... Some of it, you know, like we'll put express lanes in and charge a toll for people who are not carpools or buses to use those lanes. So there's a lot of that going on around the country. The place, though, where Oregon is is really the pioneer is working on the idea of replacing the gas tax with a mileage-based fee. So there's a program called Orgo uh, that is being implemented by the Oregon DOT. It's starting with 5,000 people who are, who are volunteers, uh, but converting over people to paying, instead of the gas tax, paying for every mile they drive through lots of different methods of doing it, you know, different technologies that they're working on, some that would, uh, you know, uh, be kind of like a, an OnStar system, if you've ever seen those commercials, sure. where... You know, you get a crash, it can call the ambulance, it can unlock your doors. I mean, it can be a very high-tech option and some much lower-tech options. You know, some people obviously are worried about the privacy of the high-tech options. Sure, yeah. So you've got, you've got low-tech options, so you, don't, you, know, you, can, you can not be tracked. And uh, um, they have uh, a lot of... Um, the private sector will actually be the... Different private vendor companies will be the ones providing the technology and collecting the fees so it won't be the state that's uh, that's um, doing that and uh, so that gives you uh, some more privacy protection uh, but you can choose options that basically don't involve giving anybody any data about where you've driven only giving uh, sort of the amount that you owe and Oregon was an early experiment with, experimenter with this and now they're kind of an early implementer but it's really catching on um, the federal government is uh, is considering Congress is considering maybe um, uh, putting some money into some research trials because uh, Oregon's tested it on a few thousand people, uh, but the idea is to test it on like a multi-state basis uh, with thousands and thousands of people in it, 
But meanwhile, California is going to do a system very similar to Oregon's uh, starting next year, uh, doing a trial that will take place in several parts of the state. Minnesota's done one. Washington State's done one. Uh, Florida's getting ready to do one. So lots of states are looking at this idea that, that really Oregon's been out kind of uh, breaking the, the fresh ground on this. So will that then replace where you know there would be no no taxes built into the price of gas, and then people then are billed just based on on how many miles they drive, and then what's the and right. and do you end up getting more revenue from that, uh, or well, you know what's that been like as far as the actual revenue from that? Right. Well, we're at, we're at very much at the infancy of this sure. idea. <laughs> Um, it's you know it's new. It's 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 really just being tested. Gotcha. So Oregon is sort of slowly moving into it, but but they're doing it gradually so we can work these things out. Yeah. So the the Oregon is charging one and a half cents per mile, and that is generally designed for the average person. That will kind of equal what they were paying in gas tax. So it's not really designed to increase revenue. It's designed to replace the gas tax first because. The good thing about that is, is it stops the bleeding, so to speak. Mm. It stops the problem we currently have, where every time vehicles get more efficient, we pay less while driving more, while using the roads more. Um, with a mileage-based fee, it doesn't matter if your car never uses any gas. If you're an electric car and you're using the road, you still mm. help pay for the road by paying per mile rather than per gallon. So it's a way of taking... Our, our fossil fuel dependency out of the equation of paying for our roads as we move to being less and less fossil fuel dependent, even as we continue to use the roads. Again, we're talking with Adrian Moore, Ph.D., Vice President of Policy at the Reason Foundation. You can find more on them at their website, reason.org. He is coming uh, to Portland, and you can hear him speak at a special Innovative Ideas for Financing Roads in Oregon presentation that is being hosted by the Cascade Policy Institute on April 29th from 7 to 8.30 p.m. at the Multnomah Athletic Club. You can find more about that as well at cascadepolicy.org. They are uh, having a dessert buffet and some coffee and tea. It's $15 in advance or $20 uh, at the door or after the 27th. So we encourage you to go to cascadepolicy.org to learn more about that special event. And Adrian, let's continue to talk about some of these other uh, options and innovations ways that we're able to you know raise the funds needed to fix the roads um, without you know again some of the things in the past haven't been working so so we do need to look forward we talked about the um, the the tax being mileage based instead of gas tax based what are some of the other things that you've seen and you've you've helped work on across the country that could work here for us here in Oregon well, some of the other common ideas out there, I think you see a mix of approaches in different parts of the country. Uh, some places have uh, raised the gas tax, um, which doesn't won't won't work in the long run because vehicles continue to become more fuel efficient and use less less gas, uh, but does raise revenue in the short run. Of course. That's usually not a real popular notion. Nobody wants to pay more gas taxes. Uh, and um, I think it's kind of, it leaps ahead of what should be the first step, which is what I talked about a little bit earlier, which is 
digging into how much bang for the buck you're getting as a state DOT or as a city. Uh, are you doing everything possible to get as much out of the, the money you've currently got, got as possible? It's always easier to chase new money than it is to figure out how to squeeze more productivity out of the money you've already got. But I think that, you know, good leaders should really focus on that. Uh, another common uh, sort of uh, uh, approaches out there are to uh, figure out ways to mix different kinds of funding. So if you've got uh, your, your state and local transportation revenue, in, in the case of, of Portland, you've got some special dedicated tax revenues from the sales tax uh, for transportation. You've got the allocation that comes from the state of the gasoline tax money and other state fees that are dedicated to transportation. Um, but there's, you know, there's, there's private sector uh, capital out there. So there's public-private partnerships a lot of places are doing. So if, especially if you are building one of those toll facilities that I talked about or express lanes or something like that, often you can blend the, the local money, the state money. You can get federal grants or federal contributions to a project. You can get private sector uh, investment in the project as long as there is revenue that can pay those, uh, those things back. Um, you can get a lot done by creatively mixing the project. You see... Mm-hmm. Uh, in particular, like Texas and Virginia and Florida are particularly out front and kind of doing these creative uh, uh, projects and ants deals where they put a lot of different streams of money into building a major product project. If that's harder to do with things like road maintenance, I mean, in a lot of ways, Portland's situation isn't so much a massive road building project that doesn't have funding because there isn't a mass, massive road building project yeah. on the book, it's really maintaining what you've already got and getting it back up to snuff. Uh, that's harder to do these sort of creating financing on. A lot of it is basically squeezing that turnip for all it's worth and and uh, trying to find efficient and effective ways to repave those streets and uh, get, you know, get the most out of the money you've already got. Because getting people to pay more is always hard. It is. Uh, they <laughs> always, they, they got to be convinced that you're really doing everything possible with the money you already got before they're going to consider giving you more. Well, and that you know, no matter what side of the political spectrum you're on, big government, small government, you know, roads are the thing that we all agree on. That this is something that the government is uh, is in charge of, and we do want them to spend their money on. And when you look at, uh, I think people are weary uh, of the government. Yeah, like you said, misappropriating funds is some of the stats I mentioned that the Oregonian came up with. Of you know, we, you right. had money and then you misspend it. So why are we going to give you more money? Because we don't trust you. And there's that trust factor. Or uh, you know, as we don't have any build. Uh, road building projects um you know there is this trimet new building projects that that's spending you know millions and millions and millions of dollars on that that some people would say hey we need you should have done that instead so now i don't want to pay you more money you know but when it comes down to it there's something that has to be done and and like you said getting the bang for the buck and and seeing what the results are that's really what it comes down to and you know we've had our own bridge debacles with what's happened on the morrison bridge and that's all in trial now of you know we spent all this money to fix it and and now it's not you know so there's so many different (laughs) so many complex issues (laughs) happening 
here in Portland of, you know, not of distrust of, uh, the, you know, the politicians and the way they're spending money. Now distrust of, of contractors who, who we paid to fix the, the problems and they didn't. And but we still have to figure out a way to get it done or else uh, we're not going to be able to get anywhere. Right. Yeah, ultimately, you, you've got to have the transportation system, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, it's... Uh, this trust issue is actually really central um, and, and easily overlooked, I think, uh, uh, by the politicians. I mean, in a lot of ways, the political leaders often want to say, okay, we learned our lesson, we promise we won't do that again, <laughs> Uh, you know, let us go ahead and 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 you know do things. Let us let us raise the tax or or whatever it may be. And uh, you know that's that, I I would just argue that's that's really not good enough. If yeah. you want to win people's trust that you're actually changing things and you're actually going to take steps that are going to get you more bang for the buck and things like that, you've got to show it. You can't just say it. You've got to find ways to make the where the money comes from and where the money goes, more transparent people. And there's been great experiments out there with things, you know, not just, you know, your cheesy public information campaigns where you put ads in the paper and things like that, but thinking about how can you illustrate to people the where the money comes from and where the money goes and how much these things cost relative to other construction projects. Mm. And when, they're, when you are repaving a street, can you make sure that information is visible to everybody about how much this is costing and, and how long it's going to take? And, and if, if reporters have ready access to that information, if you can make it really transparent on the website, sure, the average citizen is not going to look at it, but if the reporters can, so they can write good stories or radio reporters can tell good stories about what's going on, you can get a long ways. And there's huge differences. I mean, you know, I remember one time looking at a place like Phoenix. This was maybe 10 years ago, but at the time, Phoenix had this amazingly good system where they used really nice infographics uh, that, you know, anybody with a you know sixth grade reading level could, could pretty much comprehend where all the money was coming from, where it was going, how much they were getting, how much bang for the buck they were getting, and they compared themselves. They said, here's how much it costs us to fix a pothole compared to San Antonio and Salt Lake City mm. and San Francisco or, you know, whatever cities they pick. And they showed that they were, you know, that they were how much it cost and how they were getting the cost better over time. Things like that are how you restore trust. You don't just stand up and say, we promise. That doesn't restore trust. Yeah, because I think yeah, if we could say because we we know at some point we're going to have to spend more money or we're going to have to pay more money as citizens, you know, with all the budget cutting we could do, you know, this this is still a large amount of money um, on top of that that we're going to need to spend to fix it. And if we know that it's going to be used properly, and I think that's what a lot of people are waiting for, is that right plan. Because I'm not going to vote in the wrong plan just because we need something. Because that's going to end up costing us more in the long run. A lot of people feel like that, I believe. And so that's, I think you're right. And and that does lie a lot on the on the government side of things to to one do the right thing, but also present it in a way that you know we do feel that it's going to uh, do what it says it's going to do, and the transparency is in place, and the accountability is in place to make sure that it's going to be done. Right. Absolutely. Again, we're talking with Adrian Moore, Ph.D., Vice President of the Policy at the Reason Foundation, who's coming to Portland to talk about innovative ideas for financing the roads here in Oregon. 
And again, you can find out more at cascadepolicy.org on how you can go to that event coming up on April 29th. And Adrian, are, we have a, about three minutes or so left. You know, Is there anything else that, that you've worked with or you've seen or that you're going to be discussing in that presentation that you want to give us a little bit taste of um, to make sure we can you know, want to come out and hear more? I said, you know you're going to get into even more details on all this stuff. Right, yeah. I mean, we, 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 we've hit a, a, a lot of the high points. I think, uh, I think this stuff I'm probably going to spend, I'll spend more time in my talk uh, next Wednesday night uh, about this mileage-based fee idea because it's one of those ones where it, it's, it's fascinating because it's, it's basically a huge change in how we pay for transportation that's taking advantage of new technology. And I will say that for a long time I was very skeptical of it because I didn't think there was any way of doing it that would be uh, private and fair and uh, uh, not, uh, not wind up basically just kind of feeding the bees. And uh, over time, watching the pilot projects get done in Oregon and in these other uh, states, I really uh, became convinced that this is uh, the future. And I'm not alone. A, a lot of conservative and libertarian uh, transportation experts have uh, uh, become convinced that this is probably the best way to pay for transportation in the future. Mm. It's going to take us a good 10 years to get there, but if we don't start doing it now, we will never make it. So. I'll talk a lot about how that's shaping up and why I think it, it's convincing that it's it's the future. Hmm. Yeah, again, that's so intriguing because it is. It's a complete shift uh, of, of the way of doing things. And anything that's that uh, new and that much of a shift, it takes a lot of time to understand how it's going to work uh, yep. <laughs> to be able to convince people. So so that'll be good. Um, that'll be good. Again, it's uh, coming up on, on Wednesday, April 29th, 7 to 8.30 p.m., the Multnomah Athletic Club, hosted by Cascade Policy Institute. Adrian Moore, PhD, who's been our guest today, will be there talking more about this. Innovative ideas for financing roads in Oregon. Uh, it is $15 in advance if you pay by April 27th. Uh, if you pay the 28th or just show up at the door, it is $20 as long as there's seating available. You do get dessert with that and some coffee and tea as well. And you can get your tickets online in advance and learn more at cascadepolicy.org. Also go to reason.org to find out more about what uh, they are all about at the Reason Foundation and to read more from uh, Adrian Moore. And, and quickly, because we do have about another minute, uh, why don't you tell us just a little bit about the Reason Foundation? Well, Reason is actually, for those of you who are familiar with Cascade Policy, we're, we're, we're very similar organizations in a lot of ways. Reason's a national organization. We, we work on a lot of the same issues on a national level, and we work with a lot of what we state-based think tanks in different states who who do the same thing in their states that Cascade does in Oregon, uh, looking for uh, policy ideas that rely more on personal responsibility, more on, on smaller government, less on, on high taxes and, and big government. And it, it's great. I work all over the country on all kinds of policy issues, and transportation is one of the big ones. So I, I really look forward to spending a week in Portland and, and, and talking to whoever can make it out to the, to the athletic club. All right. Well, we look forward to having here in town. Hope you have a safe trip up here. Thanks so much for the time today, and we look forward to hearing more from you on April 29th. Thank you very much. This has been the Pulse of Portland with Paul Van Sickle. 
Email comments, questions, and topic ideas to publicaffairs at kkpz.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.